And everything Jesus did was, was, was as a man who was submitted to his father. <laughs> and he was showing us what life can be like if we would submit to his father the same way he did. And so that's what we want to do. And so we, we're asking Teresa to come to impart into us something we don't yet have. How many believe in impartation? Like, I mean, the, the disciples, the apostles, they would lay hands on people and, and literally impart gifts into them. So if you say you're not creative, then you've really got to come that night. Because you don't, have the, you don't have a creative gift, then she can lay hands on you and all of a sudden you can leave creative. And if you already are creative, then you can just get like a boost. Like on Super Mario Bros., you can eat the little mushroom and turn into the big guy. That's what impartation does. And so, uh, not only does she carry the creative, the artistic gift, which we love here, as you can tell, we want to be very artistic, and we love all that comes with the arts. We want, to, we want to be part of the art revolution that's taking place, where the most creative and most artistic people are in the church. Like the days of the Renaissance, all those beautiful paintings that the world worships, they were employed by the Catholic Church. Leonardo da Vinci and all these, all these creators and inventors were working for the Catholic Church when they, when they did all these things. Did you guys know that? So it came from within the church. And so it's time to have another art renaissance or revolution where the most creative, innovative ideas come from the church because we've got the Holy Spirit who's the most creative thing in the universe living inside of us. And so that's what that night is about. It's a big deal for us. We're starting at 6 o'clock. And as you can tell, we're going to cram as many people as we can into this room. So if you want to be here, tell us ahead of time so we can kind of estimate how many chairs we need to put out or if we need to get rid of the chairs and just go old school tent meeting and just sit on the floor, <laughs> go get a bunch of bean bags or bring your own lawn chair kind of thing. Bring a blanket, a quilt for your family. <laughs> but this is going to be awesome. There's other people that we're inviting to come and join us. So you're going to get to cross-pollinate with people that carry... Um, things that we don't yet have and we're going to rub shoulders with them and they're going to rub shoulders with us so uh, this is a big deal for our church big deal so I'm excited let's pray into that night real quick before we go on why don't you just whatever the Lord tells you let's just pray into that uh, into that moment into that night into that impartation service God we just we thank you because you set us up and you just had something fall into our lap that we desired that we didn't even ask for. And you gave it to us. So we're thankful. And we know that there's something that's going to take place in this relationship and through this service that we need as a church. That we need as believers. That we need as people pursuing your kingdom. So God, we ask that you would even start now preparing all of our hearts for what you're going to do that night. And we ask that you would prepare our city for the fruit that's going to come for that night. And we also ask for something special to happen to Teresa that night, God. Yeah. We want to give back. We want to bless her and honor her. And I don't know what, what her heart's desires are or her, her dreams are that haven't been fulfilled yet. But I pray that in some way, those that come to the Bridge Church that night can, can sow into her dreams. <laughs> and be a blessing to her, God. And we just thank you for all you're doing. Uh, amen. Isn't God good? If, you, if you're not convinced yet that He's good, 
then, then uh, get a better thought. <laughs> Just think about it a different way. Because he's, I love, there's a, if you've never heard of a man named Bobby Connor, um, he's unbelievable. He's a prophet, and he's crazy. He's just absolutely crazy. Look him up online. Um, the Lord gave, told him one night in, in an impartation, he told him, he says, hey, I give you permission to exaggerate my goodness. He's like, what does that really mean? He's like, basically, everywhere you go, just brag on me how good I have been and, and exaggerate how good you think I can be. And he's like, I'm even better than that. So I'm giving you permission to exaggerate and brag on me. And so, oh, that's just, yeah. Hmm. So he's that good. He's that good and even more. I mean, you have found out you thought God was really good, and then you found out he is good, and then you found another layer to him, and you're like, man, I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> like, I knew he was good in that area, but I don't deserve this over here, and he's still good to me. I don't, I, it's not based on my performance. He's just good because he wants to be, and he loves me. Wow, this is a pretty good deal here. We've sold Christianity the wrong way. We just have. We've sold it with rules, and we've sold it with, you've got to pare down to where you have no fun, and you're, we've sold it completely wrong. It's the most freeing, the most fun, the most adventurous, the most joyful experience. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. So we've just got to reframe our language on what the kingdom is all about. Oh, it's a celebration. We're not going to a funeral. We're going to a, a wedding. <laughs> Everybody loves to go to weddings. Especially these days where every wedding is going to have a dance floor and a DJ. There's, if you go to a wedding that there's no dance floor or DJ, you're just not doing it right, right? Everybody loves the feast through history. Everyone celebrated at the weddings and they danced and they were having fun and drinking and eating and stuff. Drinking grape juice. <laughs> and they just had a great time at weddings and we're going to a wedding. And we act like we're sad about it. We're going to a wedding. You want to go to the wedding with me? Will you be my plus one? <laughs> oh, this is more, this is fun. The kingdom is fun. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. I, like I love that. Oh. Anyone in here feel weak? Stand up. If you feel weak, whether it's physically or emotionally, you feel weak, stand up. We just sang about a song about the weak being made strong. And it is not okay for anyone who's weak to leave here not feeling strong in the Lord. So go to, go to these ladies and men that are standing and just release the strength of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's release the joy of the Lord. God, right now in this house, we release the laughter, the joy of God in this place. We release the strength of the Lord to come over everyone. It is not okay for, for believers to walk through weakness when you have strength available to them. It should be illegal in the kingdom to walk in weakness. So God, we release strength. We pour strength into them, whatever kind of strength they need. Not strength that comes from our own abilities or our own uh, um, just staying with it or our own uh, endeavors, but strength that comes from the Spirit of God Himself. Mm. Yes, God. We pour strength into them now. 
we pour courage into their hearts. May iron enter into their souls, God. We release steadfastness. The ability to run regardless of surroundings. The ability to stand regardless of circumstance. We release that into every one of these right now. In Jesus' name. Their anchor holds. <laughs> we release physical strength, God. We ask that you would uh, straighten out hormonal imbalances that cause weakness and fainting spells. I don't know if someone here is going through that. But we just reverse that and we speak healing to your hormones and to, to the, the cells and the, 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 the stuff that makes us act certain ways in our bodies. The adrenaline glands. We just speak healing to that right now. Hmm. In Jesus' name. The weak made strong. In the Savior's love. Yes, God. He took on your weakness so that you could take on His strength. There's an exchange at the cross. Amen? What a great plan. What a great plan. And Father, I declare that this strength will not be a momentary reprieve. It will not just be a today thing or a week thing, but that this will become a lifestyle thing. That these that feel weak will be known now for their strength. I pray that you would make them oaks of righteousness planted to display your glory, God. Give them deep roots. Teach them how to draw strength from you, God. Teach them the tactics and the, the, uh, the course, the, the, the language, the, the path into your strength and teach them how to tap your strength, God, for their life. In Jesus' name. Yeah, we do say that. We turn sorrow into laughter into their life, God. When sorrow comes to weaken them, we ask that you would turn it into joy, God. Weakness endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Mm. We declare that it's morning for them. With no you in it. <laughs> the sun has come up. Oh. And the sun shall rise with healing in his wings. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh. May no one walk in weakness. Anyone else? I want that too. I I'm, may I'm not feel weak right now, but I want that. Lord, for me, God. Give me enduring strength. <laughs> enduring joy, God. Hmm. You said those who endure to the end will receive a crown. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We laugh at the lies. We laugh at the lies. Ha ha ha. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
That's good. We can just enjoy God. Yep. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, laughter is good for the soul. It's good for the soul. Yeah, Lord. <laughs> you said you're teaching your church to laugh again, God. Yeah. You said the dirge is over. The dirge. <laughs> Just a funny word, isn't it? Oh. Mm. Everybody okay? The, don't say yes. You're not supposed to be okay. <laughs> oh. Anyone need joy? Just ask the Lord for it. Yeah, joy. heard this that tears are to repentance but laughter is to the kingdom <laughs> yeah if you don't know what's going on it's people are res people respond to the Lord in different ways some people get quiet totally fine with you being quiet some people laugh totally cool with the laughing totally cool with it some people start thinking and contemplating I'm more of that I start thinking about stuff that's okay too. Just all, all we want you to do is to respond to the Lord. To just respond to His voice. Listen, listen to Him and then just say yes to Him. It, it's there, we don't have to complicate it. We don't have to do anything to it. It's really, it really is that simple. Now, applying it is where we learn. You know, that's where we learn. But it really is just boils, boils down to that. He speaks, we respond, you know. I mean, even creation responds to his voice. Yeah. And the creation has no will. Wow. <laughs> creation reaps no benefits from him. Wow. Thank you, God. Amen. How many want to have a, a stronger prayer life? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the, uh, I say my wife's always trying to get me to eat better. And I'm just a cheeseburger, french fry kind of guy. Don't try to change me. And I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Just ask me, I will. <laughs> it's just me. I just, uh, I love steak. Oh, steak. <laughs> Everybody go home and grill you a steak. But I can say all day long that I want to feel better and I want to be in better shape. But if I don't do something about it, then it's just wishing and trying to excuse my present state. So when I say I want a better prayer life and I don't do anything to make it better, it's kind of the same thing. It, it, just do it. Just pray. 
You know, you know how to talk to him. He made you. You know, he made every one of us. He fashioned us in the womb. Like fashioned us, like took his time and formed us in the womb. He knows us. He just wants to be with us, wants to hang out, wants to talk, wants to hear our, our feeble thoughts, right? So I just want to hit a couple of things and just for a few minutes on some, some things that will help us shape the way we pray. Because he says, you, you, you have not because you ask not. And then even when you do ask, you ask amiss, or you ask to consume it on yourself. Like you don't ask through the mind of Christ, so you don't even get what you ask for. So there, are, there is a way to pray through the mind of Christ. You guys know that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to give us eternal life. He, he, he gave us literally a new way of thinking and not just saying, oh, there's a, there's a, you know, you can gain the ability to think differently. He actually gave us the way he thinks and downloaded into us when we say yes to him. He gave us the mind of Christ. The Old Testament prophets said, they're like, who can know the mind of God? Like, he confuses us. We think he's doing this, and he does that. And then we get over here, and he's over there. We don't know his mind. Who can know the mind of God? Who can understand him, right? And then in the New Testament, they, they say the same. Who can know the mind of God? Who can understand him? It says, but we have the mind of Christ. Like, we can think the way He thinks. We can have better effectiveness in when we bring our petitions and when we talk with the Lord. I mean, believe that. So in, in Philippians chapter 4, I want to read this. It's Philippians 4, and then I'll read 2 Chronicles, and then we'll just hit a couple of points. And it's just to shape and frame the way we, the way we come before God in prayer, all right? So Philippians 4, verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. <clears throat> because the Lord is near. Then it says, do not be anxious for anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the God of peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us what to think about. You have the mind of Christ. Here's how Christ thinks. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever has a good reputation, if there is any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, think on these things, dwell on these things. And then he says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's just powerful, right? We want to know how to think. If my thinking doesn't come into agreement with those things, if it's lovely, if it's of a good report, if it's pure, if it's honorable, if my thinking doesn't line up with that, I need to begin to think with the mind of Christ. Amen? Second Chronicles, I, I, a few weeks ago I felt the Lord say that it's a Second Chronicles 714 season for us. And he was, if you, you've heard the scripture, I'm sure, but it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal the land. That's a great promise. Humble ourselves, seek his face, turn from other things to him. He'll hear us. He'll forgive our sin, and our whole nations will be, will be healed, 
will be saved, will be spared. Amen? So here's a couple of points. I have 10 on here. I'm not going to hit all 10. We'll hit however many I can hit today, and then we'll go on. But the first one that we need, when we, when we live, we have to live with this belief. Jesus won at the cross. Why don't you say that with me? Jesus won at the cross. So we pray from victory, not for victory. Say that. We pray from victory, not for it. You, you know what it's like when we're praying for something? It's almost begging. It's almost like, I don't really think you're going to do this, but please do it anyway because I'm asking you to. I don't really believe you want to or love me or really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I know I need to, but I don't really have any faith in what I'm saying. So I'm just like begging you because I don't think that you're good. Randy Clark one time says, if it, he says, if we pray in a way as if we're begging God to heal someone, it's, it's as if we're saying that we have more compassion for that person than he does. I'll say that again. He says, if we approach God through prayer for healing in a begging way, it's as if to say that we have more compassion for that person's suffering than God has for them. Because it's like we come to him with the attitude, I don't really think you're good and, good and going to do this, so I'm, I'm coming through my goodness and I'm begging you to do this for this person. Because I really care about them and I don't know how you feel about them. And we pray that way a lot of times. And it's, it's not because we mean to. It's because the mind hasn't shifted in our, in our hearts that we're, we're victorious, that we're on the side that's already won. It's already been declared. It's already been decreed since the, since the foundations of the world were laid that Jesus Christ was going to be crucified and that it was going to bring victory to anyone who believed in him. That was founded on, before the foundations of the world. That was already established. So we were already made victorious from the beginning of time. Yet we live like we're trying to win something. Like we're still fighting to win. And we go around and, and, and it's like we have no authority. We have no, no conviction that we've already won this battle. And so we come with this poor me approach. And it's based in a lie that we're not good enough, that God's not good enough, and we're not victorious. So we have to pray with the conviction. No, Jesus already won this battle. At the cross, Jesus already provided healing in this area. Jesus already provided deliverance for this thing. I'm not asking for it because it needs to be created. I'm declaring it because it's already been accomplished. It's a different mindset. It's just different. It's a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't live from an inferior place, so neither should we. Jesus never was insecure about what he was doing. He never had this double thinking like, I don't know how this is going to turn, I don't know about this. Everything he did was, was such, with, with such accuracy and conviction because he knew already what was right. He knew he could hear his father's voice and he knew he was only going to do what he saw his father doing. So there was no worry inside of him of whether he was going to do the wrong thing or not. Everything he did was with, with just such security in who he was as the Son of God. Jesus didn't defend a lot of things that they brought to him. But if you talked to him in, in, in a way that made him feel like you didn't believe he was the Father's Son, then he would defend that because he, everything about him was anchored in the, the, the promise and in the fulfillment and the truth that he was the Son of God. 
So that was his anchor. I'm the son of God, and I'm here to do his work on the earth. I am the word made flesh. He had just this different approach. Everyone wanted to be around Jesus because he was so confident. He was the most interesting man in the world. Everyone wanted to be with him. He knew who he was. How many like to be around people that are confident? Not cocky. Confident. Confidence is beautiful. When a woman's confident, we call it grace. And it's beautiful when women carry themselves with grace. They know who they are. They know they're loved. When men know who they are, they walk differently. The decisions that they make in life come from a different place. They're sure of themselves. And it looks good on them. It doesn't look bad on them. It's not ugly. So be confident today. You are more than conquerors. Say that, I am more than a conqueror. Say it again, I am more than a conqueror. Through Christ, who strengthens me. I wanted to add that part for those we've prayed for. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. He already gave you his strength, amen? amen. Number two, the most effective praying is when it's encounter-based prayer. It means I don't come to him to just throw up a bunch of words and requests. I come to have an encounter with who he is. I've set aside time. When I was younger uh, in, in church, we would hear the, about the prayer closet. And, and we need to hear about it a lot more. Because what we did was we we're like, well, I pray in my car on the way to work, which is awesome. Do that. And I pray when I'm running on the treadmill. Do that. Keep praying on the treadmill. And I pray when I'm out fishing or when I'm sewing. I'm trying to think of the things ladies may do. I don't know. Fishing. Ladies fish. <laughs> Whatever we do. And so we made it like, oh, prayer's just this thing I do while I'm doing other things, which is fine. We should be in that constant communion with God. And, and I love to just drive down the road and talk to the Lord. No radio on, no kids in the car, no one around. But there's something special about me setting aside a specific time and place where I go to meet with Him. And it's not while I'm doing something else. It's our time. It's special. And I'm not going there to tell them how my day went. I can do that while I'm running on the treadmill. Well, I've had a rough day. I've only burned 200 calories and I've been on this thing forever. Whatever, talk to him. But that secret place, that's not where I go to just tell him the things about my day. That's where I go to encounter him. That's where I go to see him. And to be seen by him. It's a little bit different. It's not a casual place. You guys still with me? The most effective prayer that we have are those moments where not even a word is said. But it's where our eyes lock eyes with his. And I don't know how, but stuff just shifts. Just by making eye contact with him. No words. How many of you have ever had that where he looked at you? And you heard like a million things said to you at once. You know what I'm talking about? That look. That, oh my goodness. That deep penetrating look where deep's calling into deep. And he's just revealing stuff. And not even a word is exchanged. Not even a second in time goes by. 
Yet it's like all of a sudden everything about you has been brought to the surface. Everything you needed, everything you wanted has just been in that gaze. I could have spent hours and hours and hours of talking to him and communicating with him and listing things out to him, but just one moment of looking at him. That's why the prayer closet's important. That's why encounter-based prayer is the most effective prayer. He can do more in a moment. I love the song that Stephanie Frizzell, whatever her last name is now, you can do more in a moment than other, you can love me more in a moment than other lovers could in a lifetime. Oh, just that gaze. So if you don't have that place that's yours, if you don't set aside that place to just go and look at him, like David says, hey, one thing I ask, one thing I seek above all things is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Not to talk to him, not to bring my request to him, but to gaze upon his beauty. You guys okay? All right. See, what happens is when we see him, then we be, we're invited into him. I, I want to hit this. This may be this and maybe one more thing. But when we, when we look into him and that intimacy comes with him, that covenant, that look that, that's not a common look, then I, I, I am in him and he's in me. And that same passion that Jesus lived with this, no, I'm in my father and my father's in me. Yeah. I am in him. I came from him, I'm in him, he's in me. That same thing will begin to take place inside of us where we begin to burn for him. And that abiding thing takes place where I'm in him, he's in me. And so wherever Christ is, I am. Yeah. Listen to that. Wherever he is, I am. What did it say about Jesus? It says in Philippians, it says, because he humbled himself and took on the, the mantle of a servant and served all mankind, God raised him up and exalted him and gave him a name above every name, that at that name every knee would bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and earth that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then it says, and then it also goes on and says that God placed him and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places and brought all things in subjection under his feet. And place Christ as the head of his body, the church. So if I'm in Christ, where am I seated? At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. You're not seated in whatever circumstances are around you. You're not seated in the quagmire of life. You're just not there. You, if you are in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places above all powers and above all principalities, above all rulers, above all, all things that would come against you. You are seated in Christ in this heavenly place. And the authority that he carries, the subjection uh, that all things feel toward him, they feel towards you and I. Because we're seated in Christ in this place. You guys still with me? It's 1 Corinthians 15, 27. For God has put all things in subjection underneath His feet. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 talks about it where we're seated with Him in heavenly places. How many of you believe that Satan is the prince? In, don't raise your hand because this is a trick question. I feel bad for doing it. It's a manipulative, tricky question and I don't like it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Satan is not the prince in power and the ruler of the air. He's been judged. He's been cast down. 
John 16, I want to read it because it's too important to just skim over. John 16, verse 5. And this is Jesus. He says, but now I'm going to the one who sent me. And none of you even ask, where are you going? Because they didn't want to know. They didn't want him to leave. But because I have said these things, you're, you're filled with sorrow. Your hearts are broken. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then, then the helper can't come. And you really want him to be here. This is my translation. If I go, if you let me go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because people don't believe in me. So what is sin? It's when people don't believe he's the son of God. That's the simplest thing, right? Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. We can deal with that in another time. It's, it's a lot there to that. But verse 11 says something interesting. He says, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He's been cast down. All authority in heaven and earth and under the earth has been given to Jesus Christ. The keys to death, hell, the grave, they belong to him. And I love the way Bill says it. He says, if, if someone has all authority, then someone has none authority, zero authority, no authority. Right? So for us to get caught up in this spiritual war as if our enemy has authority over us when we're seated in Christ in heavenly places, then we pray weird prayers when we're in that place. But if we realize that the ruler, that Satan has no home, he's a vagabond. He has no home. He has no place to go. If you even read in Matthew when it talked about the evil spirit being cast out, it says they go through the dry places just looking for someone to take up residence. Why? Because they have been stripped of their place of authority. They have been judged. Does the enemy have the ability to influence only when we partner with him? If mankind would no longer partner with the enemy, he would have zero power on the earth. But man continues to choose to partner in it with him, and we kind of let him leech off of our authority. But when we're seated in Christ, when we're in that secret place and we're looking at him and he is abiding in us and us in him, then we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're above all the powers and principalities. We're above all the things that are leeching authority from other people. We're above those things. So when we pray, we're, pray we're praying from a different perspective. We're not praying from a, oh God, please rescue and save me. Hey, look, if you're in a mess, that's the best prayer to pray. I'm drowning, God help me. That's the best, help. That's the best prayer, right? Don't, not, don't, don't say I'm not going to pray that because it's not a spiritual. Yeah, it is. If you're in a bad place, help is very spiritual. <laughs> Sin, throw the life raft. I need help. That's fine. Do it. But as a way of life, that's a horrible way to live. Oh, God, rescue me. Oh, God, rescue me. When we do that, we don't know who we are. It's okay every now and then. But we're seated in Him. Not just with Him. We're seated in Him. At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And in Him, everything is subject to His voice, to His word, to His will. So to, to take the, the mindset that Satan is really powerful and to capitalize his name is a horrible way to do life. 
Don't capitalize that guy's name anymore. We have a list of things. If you can find them on our website. These are things that we believe. We've, these are things that we've decided that we believe these things. We've decided. Yeah, I wrote it. I don't even remember what I wrote. We have decided these things. And a few years back, the Lord told me to don't capitalize Satan's name. It's not a proper name. Just don't do it. So we've decided we will not capitalize his name. It's not just that we're not capitalizing his name. That that's a really cool spiritual thing. It represents a mindset that I'm not going to give him authority that he doesn't have. Amen? I, I know I've told this joke before, but even my iPhone and my iPad have been saved. They have been redeemed. If I'm typing notes in there and I type the word Satan, it doesn't even ask me or try to capitalize it anymore. So my iPhone and iPad have been saved. They don't even try to capitalize Satan anymore. They know. And they also know that if I write the Lord to capitalize the Lord, it does it for me. Because I've purposed in my heart, this is the way I view God, and this is the way I view Satan. God is all power, Satan has no power. The only way he can have power is if I give it to him. And I'm not going to give it to him because I'm too busy looking at him. Amen? It's just a different way. So that was point three, by the way. Satan has no power unless I give it to him. Let's just laugh at the, Satan has power, ha, ha, ha. Like, oh, God, don't laugh at the devil. Like on that, speak of the devil, and he may appear. <laughs> I wish I looked like the guy. Anyway, let's move on. Thinking about Bane. I'm like, dude, I wish I had those muscles. Mandy probably wishes I looked like him, too. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Oh, Jesus. So we will not rearm a disarmed enemy. We will not let the thoughts that we have about God, about ourselves, and about the enemy give authority to him when he's not supposed to have any. All right, one more. Number four, this is how we have effective prayer. When we focus, <laughs> let's say it like this. Focus on the enemy is less focus on God and is counterproductive. When we focus on the enemy and how mean he is and how destructive he tries to be, then it's less time where I can focus on how beautiful God is and how powerful he is and how he heals the whole earth and it's not productive in my life. Amen? You know the cruelest thing you can do to the enemy? Ignore him. That's, you guys know. Ignore him. How many like to be ignored? <laughs> you can always tell where you stand with someone and whether they ignore you or not. It's just not a good feeling. If, if the wife's ignoring you, you better backtrack. What did I do? It's not fun to be ignored. When you're kids and you ignore someone, that was the worst thing you could do. They could call you names, they could make fun of you and all that stuff, and they, it did hurt. Names do hurt, words do hurt. But when people would just ignore you as if you don't even exist, that's the worst thing you can do to somebody. So why don't we live where we're enamored with God and we're just completely not impressed with the devil? When something happens in life that we could attribute to him, let's think about the opposite and let's declare it over our life instead of spending time talking about the negative. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh man, the devil's done this and he's really fought me over here. I, used to, I love this. I've been in church my whole life, so that's all I know. And all my relatives and everybody, we have church meetings when we have family reunions. It's just what we do. 
we're all ministers of some kind and whatever. So growing up in church, you'd hear those testimonies where people would, well, the devil's been chasing me all week long and my car broke down and all the bad stuff that happened. And, but praise Jesus, I'm still going, you know, that kind of, and I was like, that does not feel like a testimony. <laughs> it's like Debbie Downer. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that is not a testimony. Talking about how bad the devil is and then just putting on the end. But Jesus is Lord. It doesn't make it a testimony. <laughs> All hell is breaking loose, but Jesus is on the throne. It doesn't make it fixed. It doesn't make it better. It just doesn't. He's like, even the demons know that Jesus is Lord, and they even tremble. But there's a difference in saying we believe it and then living like we believe it. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and quit. Effective prayer, effective prayer, effective mindsets. How many people raise your hand and say you want a better prayer life? Let's all stand. You raise your hand, all right, let's stand. And let's just do it. Let's, uh, why don't you just practice looking at him? Let's not even use words right now. Why don't you just close everything else out and just look at him? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Now just tell him what you think about him. Ah, you're you're beautiful. You really are beautiful, God. <laughs> you're lovely. You're merciful. When I look in your eyes, I see mercy, God. Hmm. I see grace. I see passionate love in your eyes, God. Ah. Hmm. I see hope in your eyes. <laughs> you are the desire of the nations, God. Ah. Hmm. You have our attention, God. Moses wanted to see God, wanted to see his face. God said, that's not possible. If you see me, you'll die. Moses said, I don't care. I have to see you. I'd rather die than not see you. And so God found us a place where he would hide him in the rock. And the Bible says that he allowed all of his goodness to pass in front of Moses. So if you look at God and you don't see his goodness, then you're not seeing him. Hmm. 
It's impossible to look at God and not see goodness. So God, I ask that you would show us your goodness. Show us your face. My dad had a vision probably about 25 years ago now, maybe longer, and he saw the church, and the church was wounded, and it looked like a, a you know, they were, their legs were chopped off, they were bleeding, they had bandages on their heads, and they were just completely on crutches and dying, just falling apart. And, the, and my dad saw in his vision, he saw an angel from heaven fly down, and he had something in his hands, and he went to every person in, this, in the church, the army, and he put something on, his, on their foreheads. And he went to each one of them and touched them all on their forehead and just flying through the church, through the people, putting these things on their forehead. And then he was done and he flew up into heaven. And he looked down over the army that was just literally on the edge of death. And he just screamed, look up! And when they all looked up, there was a mirror on their forehead. And they saw God and they began to reflect God. And all of a sudden their legs begin to be healed. Their wounds begin to heal. They begin to drop the bandages and they rose up as a beautiful army. And I just feel that that's a word for us today. That, you know, look up. Just look to Him. Make eye contact and don't break eye contact with Him. Forget whatever's going on here. Just make eye contact. God, we do that now. We, we purpose in our heart to look to You. We divert our attention from other things to you, God. I ask that you would help us to lock into that, that gaze, God. Lock into that look with you. Help us not. You said that, that in Isaiah that, that whether we turn to the right or to the left, we would hear your voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So, God, we won't look to the right or left. We'll look to you. God, I ask that you would build inside of all of us a capacity to stay focused on you. Even while we do the things we're called to do in life as moms, dads, workers, even things we don't enjoy doing, help us just keep that eye contact with you. You said in your word that you would, you would guide us with your eye. And Lord, we want that kind of relationship. We love your word, but we also want to be guided by your eyes, God. We're going to close out with communion. It's just a beautiful thing. But here's what, here, I want our focus to, to be what it, what it really is. It's not just about remembering his body and his blood. That's, that's a major part of it. But it's not just that. It's about remembering that, that that made it possible for us to be one with him. 
and made it possible for us to join into communion, into fellowship with him, into intimate relationships. So what we'll do is we'll have a couple people on each side come on up and uh, as soon as they're in place, we'll just come down the aisles. If you can do this with your family um, that's in here, we, we don't have to go get your kids, but those that are in here, if you'll do it as a family and just declare the communion with God, the oneness, the abiding with him. Um, and, and we believe that as we do that, everything that's in him will flow into us. So if you're here and you have healing issues, body issues, God's going to touch you through this act because his body's whole and healthy. Amen. Amen. And so uh, if you guys would, would uh, a couple on each side, we'll make aisles there. When we're done with communion, if you need more prayer, if you need if it hasn't happened, your body still hurts or you still you're broken hearted. Come to the healing banner. Someone wants to pray with you until it's done. Maybe you're broken with your relationship with God. Don't do communion until you fix that. Right? It, it's a bad idea. A good idea, bad idea kind of thing. Just make sure that your connection with God is right. Okay? Search your own heart. But if you, you just need salvation, healing, deliverance, then come to the salvation banner. And if you need a miracle, come to the middle. We're going to pray over you. We're going to release the love of God. God does miracles. Amen? How many believe that God does miracles? He's a magical God. He just is. He just is. Miracles happen. Dreams come true. Nothing's impossible. Amen? And then I believe the prophetic team. If you want a prophetic word, you came here and you're like, man, I just need a word from God, right? Good. You need a prophetic word. Come to the prophetic team. Vanessa, who, who, Vanessa, and there's a team with her. And after this, and they would love to take you and, and record a prophetic word for you because God still speaks. Amen? Amen. So if you guys want to come on up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>